Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. You know that phrase, not all superheroes wear capes. It has been thrown about a lot, particularly in this past year. But when I think of my next guest, the word superhero and this phrase does spring to mind. She's an unstoppable woman who possesses an awful lot of strength. She's had to endure more than her fair share of life-changing challenges. Not only is she raising two children with autism, one of whom is now legally blind, but she's battled a very rare form of cancer, which resulted in her having her arm amputated. She's had to close the doors of her florist business and struggle to do many things most of us take for granted, until a kind donation meant that she could have a bionic arm instead of a prosthetic one. This woman is a warrior in every sense of the word. Not only did she carry on caring for her two children whilst she was so desperately ill fighting cancer, but she refused to crack and break down when she lost her arm, wanting to be there for her children and husband as much as possible. I am delighted to welcome Carol Haslam from Wrath Oath to 11 to 1 for Monday Motivation. How are you doing, Carol? I'm good. That's a fierce introduction, Sinead. Well, it's a fierce introduction for for a fierce warrior woman because when I think of all the things that you have been through in your life, you're only somebody in in their early 40s. I think, what an unbelievable woman. But take me back uh, through this because being diagnosed with cancer, first of all, when did you start to notice that things weren't right and that you were feeling unwell? So I never actually really felt unwell. Um, I wouldn't say I was sick in the typical sense of the word. Um, I had I had carpal tunnel surgery in my hand in April 2016, um, which is a very minor surgery, and that healed. But then at the end of the year, sort of November, December time, it started to get a little bit sore. But when you're a florist, December is one of your busiest times of the year, and it's all very small, intricate work. So I kind of presumed I just overworked it. And it swelled up a little bit. And a friend of mine, another autism mum, she always tells us we need to look after ourselves as well as our children. So I tend to go for like an NCT for myself and the doctors in January. So all the little things that you need to talk to them about, but you just haven't got time. I go do that in January. So I'd go in with a little list and the doctor would just be laughing at me. So I went in in January and I was like, this, 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 nothing major. You know, just small things that you wouldn't go to the doctor for on its own. Yeah. And I said, and, oh, yes, this, and showed her my hand. And she just looked at me and went, that's what you leave till last, Carol. That's the last thing you mentioned? And I was like, I know, yeah, it's a bit swollen. Like, it, at this stage, it was quite swollen. Yeah. Kind of looked like a turkey drumstick stuck oh, on my God. hand. Okay. So she sent me for an x-ray and that was done pretty quickly and I came back and there was nothing on it. It was just, you could just see the swelling of the x-ray. Um, and then I had gone, because I had been in the hand clinic for the carpal tunnel surgery, I asked to be referred back to there because it was quite sore. And again, as a florist, you need your hands. You know, you need yeah. them in working order. Like. Yeah, absolutely. So managed to get through Valentine's Day and it was like, okay, it's nearly Mother's Day now. I really need to get this sorted. So 
went in, I think it was like the 19th of March, and the surgeon, the hand clinician, which is one of the doctors in Connolly Hospital, just kind of looked at me and went, what's that? And I was like, I kind of hoped you could tell me what that was. Mm, yeah. Um, and he was quite fascinated by it. He was literally just like touching it and squeezing it and moving it and touching it for about 20 minutes. And he said to me, okay, so you need to get an MRI on this quite urgently. And I was like, right, okay, grand. And then I said to him, look, will I go private because I need this done soon? And he said to me, no, no, it'll be done fairly quickly because you know yourself when you're waiting on scans or whatever, you're waiting months. So this was a Wednesday morning. And so he said to me, it won't be done in Blanchardstown. It'll be done in Kappa Hospital. And I said, very fine. So I left. Blanchardstown Hospital and as I was driving out Kappa Hospital rang me for an appointment for the Friday Wow okay so that was very quick they were very concerned So like two days which is unheard of here so I was like okay you know that's quite quick it's grand so went got the scan and they had said to me when I was leaving make an appointment once you receive your date make an appointment so I made an appointment for like April which was the next available one and on the Friday, the girl, the radiologist in Kappa Hospital said to me, this will be on the system in Connolly on Tuesday. They'll be able to see it then. And I was like, all right, grand, I have my appointment made for like four weeks time anyway. On the Tuesday afternoon, Connolly Hospital, one of the team rang me and said, OK, um, your results are in. Can you come in tomorrow? So I went in, went in and was brought straight in to see the consultant. And he was like, you know, um, have a seat, Mrs. Haslam. And I was like, okay, because this fella is really happy. He's a really jolly guy. He's lovely. I've I've seen him a few times. Like, and he said, um, you know, we've checked the scans. Um, there's a lesion there. Blah blah blah. Okay. And he said to me, okay, so you need to go for a biopsy. And my head snapped off, and I was like, a biopsy. I was like, do you think I have cancer? And he was just kind of going, um, well, um, um, uh, uh it might not be. <laughs> Because I've never heard of anybody having cancer in their hand. Like, it never entered my head. Not once. Until he said biopsy. And I was like, what? So, when they got the biopsy done, like, 10 days later, and then 10 days after that, we were planning a huge trip for Dan's adventures because we had been doing, like, travelling the world with him because he was losing his vision. Yes, that's right. So, we were going on the Friday before Easter, which was like the 6th or 7th of April. And the day beforehand, just as I was getting the kids ready for school, I got the news that the biopsy results were back and it was malignant. And um, that was it, really. So Then when they tell you, like, was there an operation then before that? Or how did they come to the conclusion that you were going to have to make a very difficult decision? So I went in expecting the lump to be removed and she said to me, you might need a bit of radiotherapy. And I was like, all right, fair enough. So I went in and he was like, okay, can you make a fist with your hand and blah, blah, blah. And he said to me, okay, so I've got some good news. And I was like, okay. And he said to me, um, so you have two blood supplies in your hand, so we might be able to salvage two of your fingers. And I was like, what? I literally, like, he must have thought this one's an idiot because I spent my whole time going, okay, what? So I kind of thought I was just getting the lump removed, but like from the offset, it was like I was getting the majority of my hand removed. I'd have been, I, they may have been able to salvage my little finger and the one next to it. So I went and I got, I was getting chemo and 
I had been thinking about it and I just said to Kev, I'm getting all of this off. And he was like, yeah, what? And I said, I'm not been researching. There's a one in two chance of it coming back to the same spot. I was like, I don't like those odds. They're too high for me. I'm getting the whole lot taken off and then we'll go from there. So you actually decided this yourself. It wasn't like the doctors kind of came to you and said, look, Carol, that didn't work. We're going to have to remove the whole arm on reflection. You know, you actually came to this yourself. That's amazing. And how did you wrap your head around this? Because you're saying it to me like it's nothing, but obviously it's a huge, massive deal. Okay, because it kind of wasn't. So I I have mid-forearm gone. So from like the middle of your forearm down is gone. So like I have below the elbow I have some arm there so it was like I'm done I'm not doing this again chemotherapy is horrible I'm not I'm not doing this again and if I leave like what do you do with your baby finger and the next one too anyway they're just there for show (laughs) like you can't do anything with them (laughs) so I was like just take that all off and then I don't have to do this again so when you decide to do this and the doctors agree and they do it and you wake up the next day and you look down and you see what you're left with, how does that then, do you break down? Do you kind of go, okay, so, that's over? Or how do you react? <laughs> so when I came out of surgery um, and I woke up, like I wouldn't be great with drugs. So anesthetic knocks me for six. So I'm very groggy and very stupid when I wake up. So I was sitting there looking at it and my arm was in a sling and the sheet was kind of half covering the sling and I was like, okay, breathe. You need to look at it. You know, in my head, I was having a conversation with myself going, you need to look at it before everyone comes up. If you're going to break down, you might as well do it when you're on your own. You know, calm down before anyone else comes up because the kids wanted to come see me and obviously Kev and my mom and stuff was coming up. The whole time while I was having this inner conversation, I was looking at the sling going, okay, so just do it. Pull the sheet back. It's grand. It'll be fine. Just do it. So I pulled the sheet back and I started laughing because literally I had been looking at it the whole time because obviously your hand sticks out the sling. <laughs> and I wasn't there. And then I was like, oh my God, I can't believe I just spent the last five minutes having an argument with myself whilst looking at it. <laughs> Oh my God, so you can see, you, you straight away laughed at the situation because of everything yeah, it was, that was going on. It was just so absolutely ludicrous because I had <laughs> literally been sitting looking at it the whole time I was having this inner conversation with myself, trying to make myself brave to look at it. So, and, and you probably had all sorts of images in your head as to what it was going to look like and it obviously was a little bit less dramatic as well that you had in, in your head. So you... I had the prosthetic limb originally and then you really, really wanted to get this um, bionic arm. And I know that you had to fight so much to get recognition for this as well. And you had to fundraise and try and raise your own money to to get this this arm. Tell me, though, what was life like once you got the arm and you got the life changing money uh, that was sent in by an anonymous donation? So I ended up getting half of it from the HSE after a long probably a year-long fight with them. Um, but when I got it, it's really strange because it's simple things that you take for granted. Like, I could peel potatoes, which doesn't sound like a lot for most people. And most people would be like, yeah, I'd love to not be able to. But, you know, when you're cooking a dinner, peeling yeah. potatoes is, we're Irish, we do potatoes, yeah. you know. It's not an Irish dinner if there's not a spoon <laughs> <in> there. <Yeah. laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> so it's like I was, 
I could peel a potato again for the first time. Like, I actually cried peeling potatoes for the first time because I was so delighted with my life. It was amazing. like, this is amazing. And then, I know before you got the, the cancer, you mentioned it there briefly, um, about your eldest son, Daniel. He was losing his sight and you talked about Dan's adventures where that was another, you know, amazing idea to bring Daniel around uh, the world to kind of see various different architecture before he lost his sight. What a fantastic thing to do. But when you hear that he's going to lose his sight and... You know, it's horrific for Daniel, obviously. Another dreadful thing for you to wrap your head around. And as a mum, you know the way when things like this happen to our kids, we want to fix it and you can't yes. fix it. How do you come to terms with stuff like that? That one was much more difficult than me having cancer. When it's your child, it's completely and utterly different than when something's happening to you. Because when it's happening to you, you're like, grand, we'll just rock on and do it and do what you have to do and move along. But when it was him, like... And he's such a soft kid. He's really lovely and he's real, like, he's not, people have a stereotypical view of autism. They don't show emotion. They don't. Whereas my children are the complete opposite. Like, Daniel literally hugs you and kisses you and tells you he loves you all the time. But when we found out, so we're still not 100% sure what's causing this. So he has, like, a really unusual hearing loss as well. Okay. And he has optic nerve atrophy in both eyes and they don't know why. So they're presuming he has a genetic condition that hasn't been discovered yet. Okay, so that's ongoing for you. And yes, you have to then, you know, he already is himself and Neve, your, your lovely daughter, and Neve as well. They already have additional needs, additional care that you need to provide. But now with Daniel, you have this extra part that's just so, so difficult so yeah. life is not easy, Carol. Um, it's not easy, but it's interesting. <laughs> but you see, this is my life, so I don't know any different. You know, when people tell you about kids and stuff, like these are my. This is my normal. Yeah, this is my normal life. So you just live your life as best you can. But you know, on the tough days when you don't want to get up and you don't want to mm-hmm. face the day. And you've a list, you know, a mile long that you have to do. How do you get yourself out of a funk if you're feeling a bit low and you're feeling like, I just don't want to do this today? It's really weird because so I will, I'm in a group with some sarcoma patients and carers and family members and stuff. And when I'm in a really bad funk, I think of the ones who haven't made it or I think of the ones, the, the junior warriors. So we have like. We have little Molly, we have Elsa, we have Alex, we have like a six-month-old baby. And I think to myself, do you know what, if like, I looked at little Molly, Molly's only like four, and she's had sarcoma for two years, and if Molly can get through the day, I can do it. So they're your inspiration, which is absolutely magic that you have that group as well to support and to remind you about what's, what's important. Now... You recently received some more news about your own health, didn't you? Stopped you in your tracks yeah. a bit again. Well, uh, do you know what? I kind of... So when I was originally diagnosed in 2017, I had like a CT scan to see if there was metastasis anywhere else. And there was a small nodule on my lungs. Now, a nodule can be one of apparently 17 things. And it stayed stable because I get scanned on a regular basis. 
because if it's going to come back, it tends to come back to your lungs. So I get scanned on a regular basis and it had stayed stable for about two and a half years. And then last December I had a scan, but between my December and June scan I had grown. And then I was scanned three months later between June and September. So at the end of September it had grown again. So they're pretty certain that it, the cancer has metastasized. And so next in the next few days I'm due in for... Um, surgery to have that removed and possibly then a bit of radiation depending on histology results. And when you hear that it's back because this is what you've dreaded you you know you told them to amputate your arm so that this wouldn't happen do you ever just think that why is this happening like I've been through enough what why is this happening to me again? You do get those days like and realistically I'm not going to lie and say oh no it doesn't bother me because it, it does and you know you're looking at your kids going Am I going to be here when you go to your dad's or will I see grandchildren? Because like that's happening in my head. I'm getting grandkids and I'm going to spoil them rotten. Um, you know, you're looking going, this is not fair. But then you're kind of going, all right, suck it up and move on. You just have to do it. And you're surprised that I called you a superhero at the start of this in- interview. But if I was to say to you, Carol, OK, you can go back in time, OK, and have a chat with young Carol. Now, you can't change anything about your life, okay? But you can go back to young Carol as a child and give her a bit of advice about the life that she's going to lead. What would you like her to know? Um, oh, it's a bit of a stranger. I suppose I would tell little me to make sure I enjoy the people around me because that is literally all you have at the end of the day. Um. And even during your bad times, there's always good in it. Like when we found out about Daniel, my friend started a GoFundMe and it, it exploded and we got ended up getting like €30,000 to bring him around the world. And like we have seen some amazing sights and that stuff we would never have been able to do just by ourselves. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So even through all that bad stuff, there was some really beautiful stuff. So... I would tell myself that even when things are bad, there's always good there with it. Always. Carol, I, you know, it's, I know you don't feel like you are, but you are just an incredible woman. So, so strong. I wish you better days for you and your family. Thank you for sharing your story. Thank you for giving us motivation to get on with the challenges in our own lives. And I really appreciate you taking the time to chat to me today. That's no problem. Thanks for having me on. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.